Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 203, episode 2 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a collection of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's share consciousness. It's Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I'm all out of cum. My seat has no value. I know you were right. Believing the cue drops. At least I'm immune. I heard you're infected. I can't be too late to say that it was the vaccine. That is courtesy of Johnny Davis. Little, I'm all out of love. Out of cum. Yes. The original lyrics. <laughs> and I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Well, let's blaze and then discuss some trends. You living in the dark, boy. Here's some streaming recommends. I'm not phased, only here to sin. If you've been in your garden, you know that you can. We're potting when you want. Potting when you need, potting in the morning on the TDZ, and shout out to Johnny Davis on Woo! the Discord. He said you're working on a Montero, mm-hmm. aka, you know, just keep them coming. You yeah, know, yeah. just keep him coming. Keep uh, but thank you for that one. It got me a reason to. Which Montero song is that? Is that Montero? That's the song Montero. Call, me, call by me by your name. name. Is is that called Montero? Uh, is that, it's like one of those songs where I know I'm like, isn't that what it's called? There's a parenthetical involved. It's a whole okay. flee. It's Montero parenthetical. Call me by your name. There you yeah. go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know. So we were all right. Mm-hmm. We're all God's children. Well, Miles, uh, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by one of the very faces on Mount Zeitmore. She's a hilarious comedian, an Emmy-nominated writer, mm. and an all-around brilliant artist who mm-hmm. co-hosts the Bechdel cast uh, and hosts and created... The podcast, My Year Mensa, Lolita Podcast, and ActCast, which digs into the cultural history and legacy of the Kathy comics. She is yes. the brilliant, the talented, Jamie Loftus! Jamie Wake up in the morning feeling slightly <laughs> giddy. Pack up Sunny and Flea. We're about to hit this city. Before I leave, grab my wallet and a couple of Tums. Because when I leave for hot dogs, I'm going to have some yums. <laughs> I'm done talking about veneers, nears. No time for ice cleaners, eaners. Because <laughs> this is the summer of wieners, wieners. <laughs> Slice top, heat those buns up all crispy. <laughs> Hamburgers can miss me. I want those furters grilly. <laughs> Wow. On top, (laughs) onions chopped, mustard and that ketchup slop. Relish if you wish. Talking Mm. hot dogs, guys. (laughs) That was so long. Uh, That from (laughs) Uncle Brew at the underscore Brew. Brew. The Brew. The Brew. The Brew. Great contributor. Wow. Really brought the heat today. Hope I did it justice. Wieners, wieners. I thought thought there was going to be like a hockey. I thought there'd be a hockey reference to going tweeners. But I was that was me projecting. I was like, oh, maybe some some New England hockey lore to interject there. But. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Uh, Summer of wieners, wieners. Yeah, wieners, all wieners. Yeah, yeah. How's that been? How did the summer of wieners treat you? Oh, it was uh, it was good. My body is, I would say, basically recovered and I have to kind of jump in for round two soon. But for people who don't know what we're talking about, what we're yes. saying, like, how's the summer of wieners? How's the- <laughs> um, yeah, I've just been having a ton of sex. No, I um, have been working on a book about hot dogs for a couple of for basically the summer. And we were traveling around eating hot dogs everywhere, all over the country, and just been like talking and thinking about hot dogs for several months. The same stretch of months where a study speculated, heavy on speculated, that Mm -hmm. eating a hot dog takes away 36 minutes of your one human life every time you do it. The summer I ate like 250 hot dogs, but wow, I digress. How much time does that give you at this point? Are you you down to like... I'm like (laughs) essentially a time traveler. Um, Wait, you you did how many many hot dogs did you say you think you ate? It was around like 200, but I need to to do the final count. Let's call it 220. 
uh, times 36 minutes. Okay. okay. Probably only like a week um, that you lost, right? Right? I mean, Carry I don't know. But also. 132 hours. That's 132 yeah. hours. Okay. So it's like, fuck it, you know? Yeah, yeah dude. Who, who gives a shit? And also, Sarah, something, something, serotonin extends your life. It's yeah. kind of gravy. Exactly. It, it all comes yeah. out. That's about five and a half days of your life, apparently, that you lost by eating Worth two. Worth it. I went up to 220. Worth it. See, I also fully think that if I looked deep enough into that study, it was funded by, like, Big Lettuce or something. I'm like, who did that study? How do you arrive yeah, right. at a figure like that? Lies, all lies. Big hamburger. But it, the big summer hamburger. of wieners. I know. I was going to say. Big. <laughs> I was going to say it speaks a lot to Jamie's, uh, where Jamie's at, that she thinks the primary competitor to hot dogs is lettuce. It's <laughs> 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 like, you know, the thing, the well, two damn. things that you make a salad out of either yeah. uh, lettuce or, uh, you know, a bunch of hot dogs. They Chapter one the dogs. food spectrum to the left, lettuce, <laughs> and on the other end, the hot dog. We all Where exist on a fall? spectrum yeah. of lettuce to hot dog. Um, and I'm unfortunately just fully a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> The one hot dog, uh, one of my first memories is actually a hot dog experiment myself where I was staying w with a babysitter and she was like, you're going to have three types of hot dogs. We're going to grill them. We're going to boil them. And I forget what the third was, but Ooh, I, I am. yeah, I was like five, you gotta I love when they fry three them. hot dogs, like all different kinds. I remember one being a little bit burnt and, uh, and then I threw it. Yes. Up, so. <gasps> Yeah. You don't Did like you get a... burnt hot dogs? Oh, oh I love I didn't say I didn't like throw up from the taste. I think I just it was too much for my you little just body. Oh, there, <laughs> yeah. Too I much had, char my, for you. My dad also had like a I I've been like very interested in how everyone has a story about hot dogs even if they don't think they do. Where like my dad also I was like, "Well, what's your hot dog memory?" And then he was like, "Nothing." And then 2 days later, he <laughs> told me the most like the weirdest story I'd ever Nothing. heard about him. <laughs> yeah, it was that harsh too. He's like, I love that shut story. up. <laughs> Actually, wait. <laughs> yeah, like but then guys, two days like, later, hours later, like, you're walking out. He's like, Jamie, stop. I'm I need to tell you. <laughs> I need to tell you something. I haven't been forthright. <laughs> And then he told me about a time he worked at a like a dog track when he was fifteen because he's very old and and then he was like and he like ate ten hot dogs in a day and then he went to the hospital. <laughs> I was like, that's a hot dog story. Like, what are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, look me in the face and say you have no hot dog story when you've been hospitalized over because that's like nineteen seventies hot dogs. That's a lot of nitrates. Yeah, yeah. I I I think I when I saw like on. I think drivers die like triple D or some like food network show. When I first saw like the Ripper, those deep fried hot dogs, yes. that they like come from New Jersey. I was like, this yeah, is Red's the fucking hot. intersection of all of my belief systems. And <laughs> I spent like an entire summer with like my buddies. Like we would like do all kinds of fat. We would fry the, the hot dogs in. We rendered like five pounds of bacon to just deep fry our hot dogs in bacon <laughs> grease. And we would spiral cut them. So they had Wait. like the most surface area for like maximum crispiness. Dude, I got I I've I've been very we invested in that market. Talk. Uh, everyone everyone has a a, a ridiculous hot. Wait, I okay. I'm going to spiral text you about cut that later. hot dogs. And I'll do That's it in a voice. So chic. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, you haven't had my spiral cut hot dogs. <laughs> Kathy really liked your Irving. She did. She did, yeah. She oh mentioned God, it. That's huge for I you, Miles. Put it on the I resume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamie, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell the people a couple of stories we are talking about, such as the fact that health insurers are trying to uh, change the story on uh, change their story on whether they cover COVID, which is a disease you might have heard of, the worst mm. pandemic in the history of these United States. We are going to talk about eating the vaccine. We are going to talk oh. about uh, employers' stance on drug tests. We're going to talk about bullshit jobs, whether Fox has run out of ideas on how to attack Biden, all of that, plenty more. But first, Jamie, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? 
Oh, okay. Well, the day we're recording this is September 21st. So I looked up Demi Adigiwebe's uh, annual September uh, 21st Earth, Wind & Fire video first thing this goddamn morning. Mm -hmm. And it is so wonderful. It doesn't need my plug, but I'm going to give it to him anyways. He outdoes himself every single year if you've never seen them doing video he's always like raising money for different causes this year it's for three different causes as we're recording this he's already raised over like three hundred thousand dollars like it's so incredible and this year i was especially excited for the video because it was filmed at my second google it was filmed at this house in the la area of this woman who passed away a couple of years ago named Allie Willis, who wrote that, who wrote uh, September by Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh, whoa. Wow. Wait, so and that like that pool party scene is that that's that house? That's at her house. And it's whoa. so it's I highly recommend, like, first of all, donate to Demi's fundraiser and watch the video because it always fucking rocks. But this year I was especially hyped on it because she passed away. I think it was last year or the year before kind of suddenly and she was like this iconic queer songwriter she wrote all these scissor sister songs she wrote for earth wind and fire and i got to like when i first moved to la i got to work for her for a week because she just would like invite young cartoonists over to this like wild gorgeous house that's in the yeah. video and was just like so encouraging and cool and i feel like she I don't know. She's she's written so many famous songs and I feel like went kind of underappreciated in her lifetime. So people should learn about her too. Allie Willis. She was so cool. And she like, oh. if you look at like, if you just Google image search her, you're like, holy shit, this woman is a character. She's really, really cool. And just for people who aren't familiar with Demi's kind of ongoing stunt, it's he he does a kind of increasingly elaborate video to the Earth, Wind, and Fire song because it says, do you remember the 21st day of September? Is that right? Night. That how, 21st night, night, of, night of September. Night of September. And it really does get better uh, every single year. I have no idea how he does it, but this year there's like... Chris Nolan on us. <laughs> he really, like, it went to another place yet again. So highly recommend you watch it and, you know, and donate also... Yeah. And then learn about Allie Willis while yeah. you're at it. Because and if you have if you've really never cool. seen it, just watch them on in a like on a continuum. Like watch yeah. how the progression of these because when you watch it from the like the first to the last, you're like, this is what you every year, because people are like, How are you gonna make it even bigger? And this year, <laughs> truly the like the visual effects wow. in it were fucking intense. <laughs> <laughs> it was I was like Billy Eilish. Boom. Like it yeah. was so the dance scene. I okay, no spoilers on the pod, but you just yeah. gotta watch it. It's so there's good. even cameos. You'll see Iffy, you see Jaquise. There's cameos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Did you say Billie Eilish whom? <laughs> yes. I've I've never yeah, heard he somebody did... say <laughs> use it in that <laughs> way with with the uh, proper the whom instead of the who. Uh usually people are like, Billie is Eilish. That, is that wrong? Billy Eilish, Ooh, whom <laughs> I do love that. That's very refined. What is something you think is overrated, Jamie? What I think is overrated, and this is maybe controversial, is the Amityville horror. The film, the book, the true story. What are we talking? Well, it's not. I feel like, okay, so I went down the rabbit hole a couple weeks ago where incredible comedian Joe Firestone was posting about the fact that she was reading it and I was like oh I'm in the mood to be scared scary seasons coming up I downloaded the audiobook I listened to it and it was like okay this is like a based on a true story thing that is clearly not real like it just was like it was really <laughs> right. scary but it was also like I was like this is like this is fake and it was it was fucking with my head so then I got I listened to the audiobook on a plane, then I was home, and I watched both of the Amityville horrors, the 70s one and the Ryan Reynolds one, which is awful. So mm -hmm. bad. It was like in Ryan Reynolds' I'm Serious era in like yeah. the mid-2000s, where it was before just like, Before Ryan no, no. Reynolds knew who Ryan Reynolds was. <laughs> before, yeah, before Ryan Reynolds is like, uh, I'm really loud and I have a tequila company or whatever he's doing now. <laughs> uh, it's Jim um, Jamie. <laughs> 
That's wow. my okay. <laughs> that's my impression of Ryan Reynolds. I'm really loud. Yes. Um. Anyways, <laughs> he's fine. That movie isn't good, but it was like just. I'd, and then I was watching videos of the. Lorraine and Ed Warren and them on public access being like the Amityville horror is definitely real and I just and then I I, I was engaging with it so heavily and then I just started getting mad because I'm like it's not real it's not real you're all liars like it's so interesting to like trace how it seems like the couple with the Amityville horror like noticed that they like I mean they knew they lived in a murder house but like there is you can kind of trace these few things where it became clear to them that they could make a lot of money if they were like, hey, house still haunted and, and a ton of people made a lot of money off of it. And I guess it's kind of a victimless crime, but it's um, the whole thing. I feel like people still talk about it like it actually happened. And I just yeah. feel like it did. I believe in ghosts and I don't think it happened. God <laughs> damn it. Isn't aren't they on the record as saying or like. What the real estate agent who sold the house is on the record as saying that they got really drunk with the Warrens and like they yeah. made it up over wine, like as a way to boost the uh, property value. <laughs> yes. Like it was literally oh, a real estate scam that this family <laughs> was like, oh, we can like, you know, make a shitload of money and get a house wherever the hell we want where no one's been murdered if we <laughs> right. kind of play ball here and like, yeah, there's there's a lot written about it. It's so and then also like the the guy who wrote the book kind of had a bunch of ulterior financial motives to writing it and I don't know. There are some famous haunted house stories that I'm like, yeah, 100% ghosts are real and you are haunted. Amityville horror overrated as we head <laughs> into scary story season to tell in the dark. I'm yeah, I'm yeah, done. Yeah. I'm done with the Amityville horror. I'm not spreading yeah. the gospel of it anymore. Not that I was yeah. before. Great. I'm I was never I was never interested in it. I just don't I hate scary season. So You I'm hate like, scary season. Wow. Well, you hate scary fuck, man. Life's too scary, you know what I mean? Yeah. Life is yeah. I hate true. I hate getting you know why I think because I was so like as a, I was really sensitive to like loud sounds and shit as a kid. That like jump scare type movies really fucked me up because it was like the equivalent of like what loud noises were to me were just like sudden interruptions that were like very jarring for me. Yeah. And I just cry in the theater. So, you know, it's right. just not a good it's not that a good is, experience for anyone. It's a bad vibe. Like it's I don't know. I'm working on a story right now about like graves that appear in movies. And I've been thinking about like iconic grave. I don't know. It's like I did you ever see The Ring? Mm-hmm. The like yeah, like that, the the like grave well that that girl, I was, I think that I literally like lost weeks of my young life yeah. worrying that she was coming for me and that I had seven days to live. It's not a good way to live your life, but it's, it's kind of fun. And it's also like a strange place to be in where like a movie can be so scary that like even when you can fully like reason and rationalize that this is not real, that you're like, oh, I don't like, I don't know if I'm going to answer that phone or like this room's too dark and I might see someone's melted face. Right. Like if you're thinking about it at 3 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Amityville horror trash. I feel like watching a jump scare horror movie in a crowded theater can be a fun like communal experience because mm. you're like jumping into each other's arms and i'm like i'm sorry sir i, <laughs> I know we just met yeah i've literally done that before. So close to you. yeah and then just yeah. turn it after being scared like turn to the person oh, you next know what to you it and... could be though too and i think i've talked about this before it's i could have been this time my dad took me to go see the movie seven with my other friend and wow. in how the old scene, were you i don't know when that shit came out I was 96 or something i was 12 13 I was like, you were okay yeah. it's la i grew yeah, up yeah. in a house where like my parents <laughs> were like LA. you know fuck all the puritanical sh well they're just more like kind of like my mom was a film is a film critic so there's yeah film, like there's always movies on and she was just like this shit isn't gonna screw you up like us yeah. like mistreating you is probably gonna screw you up so you know mm -hmm. like rock on and go watch uh, seven and the scene in the <laughs> that one sin sloth where the guy's just like tied to the bed, like left to like disintegrate when that guy like, you know, he comes, <sighs> sort of comes back to life. Yeah. My dad fucking jumped up out of his seat and like almost <laughs> threw shit in there like, 
And I was just mortified. I was like, I can't. That's I'm not doing so this shit in public funny. anymore. <laughs> the, I I, I remember, the other one that really stuck with me was Final Destination 3, the tanning booth scene. That mm. was like, I'm I'm never going to recover. Like, that's something that I still have not fully recovered from. Yeah, mm. the ring and the tanning booth scene from Final Destination 3 <laughs> is like, think, that yeah. should have been illegal. Nightmare fuel. What yeah. is something you think is underrated, Jamie? Oh, okay. Uh, what I think is underrated because it's going on, and even I didn't know about it, is the Vienna Beef Hot Dog Stand Challenge, which is going on until October 17th. It is a publicity scheme. However, the mm-hmm. Vienna Beef Hot Dog Stand Challenge is a Chicago based competition. I'll just read from the website because I'm thrilled about it. It's time to find the biggest hot dog fan in all of Chicagoland. The rules are simple. Eat at as many participating hot dog stands as you can for a chance at hot dog greatness. Many will enter. Many will take home prizes. But only one will be crowned the Vienna Beef Top Dog. So it, they're just encouraging people to take their life in their own hands and eat at as many Chicago hot dog stands as they can from it started it back at the end of August and it goes through October. And right now I hear on the if you check the leaderboard, well I'll ch- I'll check the leaderboard. Stephanie E has visited three hundred and thirty one oh hot dogs and gone to that many stands in the pursuit of being top dog. So I'm very invested in this and um I think it's underrated because I don't know how like the whole country isn't aware of and <laughs> deeply invested in the fact that this is going on i still this have is... my money on abe froman the sausage king of chicago <laughs> hey uh, man don't, don't sleep on don't true. sleep on karen b and rose l who are in a cl- tight race for second place right now <laughs> it's true i'm surprised that i mean it's like i i want to find who these people are i i would i don't know if i would enter this contest under my own name either so i it's just <laughs> like i wonder what's going but there i'm so thrilled about it vienna beef also does a program that i'm currently signed up for called hot dog university okay i've <laughs> Is that competing with santa chat. university are we are we about to get a, a different ip now I, <laughs> it's like santa university is old it's all about hot dog university <laughs> No, it's like a six hour long Zoom call where they just talk to you about hot dogs. I don't know what's going to happen, but they sure do charge too much money for you to do it. But I'm very invested in the hot dog stand challenge. I've had the tab open for for days now. Just checking in. I mean, Stephanie is. Stephanie's killing it with 331 stands visited. You know, but also but, I feel like if Stephanie has like one or two bad days, you know, it would be so easy for Karen B or Rose L to take the lead. Right. Um, I wonder now if this is like because you don't have to eat them, right? It's just you merely scan the you QR just have code. To check in. See, that's where I'm right. a little bit. I'm like, who's eating though? Who's right. who's respecting this? Because I get if you have time, you can just be like, fuck it. I hit like 40 hot dog stands a day. I'm gonna get that prize. But the top the four, prizes are pretty good. Stephanie, Karen, Rose, and Amanda, fucking unfuckwithable at the moment. I yeah. also like how the names are listed with just the last na- the uh, last name initial, like it's Alcoholics Anonymous. Like I do, right? do yeah. <laughs> Rose like is like, said, okay, we don't want to like your real name. really know. <laughs> yeah, there's and the prizes are pretty good. Like top, okay, top dog. That's just first place. And then you get a ton of Chicago sports tickets. You get to tour the Vienna Beef Factory Tour, which is huge because they would not let me do that. <laughs> and and you really? get a trophy. Yeah, they're being very secretive over there. Okay. And then I'm kind of more interested in the second, third, and fourth place hot dog royalty. You get a custom mini hot dog cart oh. and, a ca- and a catered hot dog party for up to 40 people. 
Wow. I was like, Bucket. that kind of okay. sounds better. Like, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, Miles just, <laughs> this, Miles this just, we have to do. just appeared we, this... from the chat, and there's a Miles-shaped hole in the wall box. <laughs> <laughs> On my way to snatch up those dogs. The, this is what we need. Zyke gang, we got to create one account, and all y'all who live in the area, we just crowdsource it, and then we deliver. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Karen L. and Rose and Amanda, but Zamboni L. is about to take, I think, the lead. <laughs> If we can just crowdsource oh, this. I'm so like, I just am. So, it feels nice to like root for something again. It's nice to be engaged in a yeah. uh, sport. It feels yeah, like back when people Olympics would debacle. all watch the same. It feels like when people would watch the same reality show, it's a national event. It's something yeah. to be excited about. Survivor season one, you know? Right, right. They get <laughs> naked. That one guy got naked. Is it true, Jamie, that you consume all hot dogs Kobayashi style and just, like break them in half, <laughs> shove them down, and then dip the bun in water? <laughs> is that true? There is a, a, no Kobayashi style broke Kobayashi, so I can't engage with it. It like Co, uh, Kobayashi broke himself, oh, and no. I think that I think that Joseph Chestnut is headed down the same road. But I, yeah. you know, it's not my business. It's not my business. He but looks. Like he's beginning high. to look mortal. Mm. I. I know, and it's and if you look at you know whatever, I hope I hope that Joseph Chestnut is is doing well and getting rest. But I was worried about him this year. All right, let's take a quick break, and <laughs> we'll be back to talk about non hot dog related yeah, news. Knock huh. off this indoctrination. Oh. Bye. Okay. <laughs> And we're back. And just a long-term story that we're going to be paying attention to on the Daily Zeitgeist is that insurance companies are going to be bailing on the people they're supposed to be insuring as climate change gets worse, as just things get worse in general. That's kind of the next stage of what people who are paying attention to that disaster are expecting. And COVID is giving us a glimpse into what that might look like with insurers basically saying, eh, we, we didn't say we'd like cover 100% of the cost. Like forever. Yeah. Come on, folks. Like this is a business now. Yeah. You know, in 2020, the US health insurance companies, they said, we're going to cover 100% of the cost because it's a mm -hmm. pandemic. So, you know, will treat you. There's no 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 need to pay for copays or deductibles or any of that. People are still making those now more than ever commercials. So yeah. we are all exactly. we are with you now more than ever for about sixty days, um, <laughs> or we reach our cap of right. three million, whichever comes first. Yeah, it's like now, and I can't emphasize enough now today. <laughs> Literally, right we now, we are with you. Tomorrow, who knows? Honestly, <laughs> we have to see what the what the revenue reports look like. But yeah, they've began to change their minds this year. And, you know, depending on where you lived in the country, some started as early as January of this year leading up to, you know, in the last few months. But it's becoming a trend. Like when you look at like the top two insurance providers in certain states, many of them are starting to roll back their coverage or what fees they were going to waive. So now they're reinstating those deductibles, those copays for COVID treatment. and. Mind you, they still managed to stay profitable during 2020. This isn't uh, this isn't like they were any. There's no real business argument, I guess, because if you say like they went from like 4.8 billion to 4.6 billion, like in revenue, like maybe that is the tough part. But in like when you sort of look at what COVID is right now, as we understand it, it's not just an illness that if you're if it's bad enough, you take a hospital stay and then it's done. There are many people who are suffering, even if they don't go to hospital, just long haul COVID where treatment can yeah. stretch for fucking months or indefinitely in some people's cases just to like have some semblance of being able to breathe easier, or deal with their chronic fatigue. And in these cases where these people like there was a story in this Washington Post article, this woman who got her J&J &J shot, she got COVID 11 days later and she was on a plan that wasn't covering COVID anymore. She was looking at easily. $20,000 in expenses when you add up the hospital Jesus stay and, and like uh, like post-hospital care that mm -hmm. was necessary. So 
this has just caused just a ton of chaos. And on top of it, there's not even like like a uniformity to how insurance companies are looking at certain plans. They say, like in this article from the Washington Post, quote, the lack of uniformity in COVID insurance practices across the country this year is striking in some places because of differences in health plan policies. COVID patients in the same hospitals and in the same ICU units could be facing completely different financial burdens. And guess what? This is all because of a lack of a federal mandate to waive these charges like permanently before they're just sort of doing it out of the goodness of their heart. But because it's not being you know mandated by the federal government, of course, they're going right back to old school predatory price gougy ways. Right. It's with. Yeah, it's just another way to make America based on like your survival in America based on how much money you have, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it's so I mean, I feel like a, a, because there was I mean, with good reason, it was so heavily publicized when things were fully covered. And of course, now that they're not fully covered, people are probably just finding out in real time because the last you heard from a public facing standpoint is like, hey, this is it's a pandemic like we, we're all in this together. And now that it's a year and a half out and actually capitalism's a motherfucker and we're not all in this together. It's ugh, it, I, I just I mean, it's like healthcare information is so inaccessible as it is. But for like that huge rollout to have happened at the beginning and then crickets for when the policies were changed is just so ghoulish. Yeah. And you look at like the spokesperson for like, you know, their the industry's like lobbying arm. It's called America's Health Insurance Plans. They said, quote, after a year and a half, it's pretty clear that COVID is here to stay. That is that this is a continuing health condition. When it comes to treatment, we're looking at it like we would treat any other health condition. Hmm. Wink, bing, see, I just said nice <laughs> words without saying we acknowledging we're in a fucking pandemic and most fucking places don't and employers don't give a fuck if you get sick or anything. So I don't know, like if people have legal recourse to like sue their employer or the state or being like, well, because of your lack of safety guidelines, I was put in a high risk situation and now I'm stuck with a bill for a communicable disease because mm -hmm. I'm also at the will of a fucking private health insurance company. And this and these changes affect uh, like private you know, like if you're getting it from your employer type plans like Medicare, if you have no insurance at all, like there are other ways for it to be paid. So the people who are really getting this like shock of like looking like, what the fuck's going on are people who are getting their uh, insurance to an employer. Yeah. Yeah. There's a so there's this book that came out in 2018 called Bullshit Jobs, a theory that made the case that like most of the jobs in the U.S. economy are bullshit, like they don't contribute anything to society. And in fact, they do harm. A lot of times they exist to give a manager someone to manage. It really resonated with me, like having spent almost 20 years in the U.S. economy, I can say that I've been around these constantly and that they are the, you know, the norm rather than the exception. But one of the like detail or one of the um examples that they use of like this logic in action is when obama justified you know keeping private insurance companies around and like not going with a fully public single-payer healthcare system because millions of people would lose their jobs and like those jobs are inherently there to make it harder for people to get health care that's like those jobs should go away and they should be replaced with a system that is designed to get people in need help that like right. the help that they're looking for. But I think this is just a increasingly kind of an interesting way to look at like, you know, I feel like most people are recognizing that we're coming to the end of one era and like need to shift into something else that's going to enable us to deal with the species like you know extinction level event that we're all headed towards and like there are just all these jobs that are essentially there just to justify themselves because like america needs jobs because of our like puritan capitalistic like work ethic like right. that 
this economist, uh, John Maynard Keyes, predicted that by now we would have a 15-hour work week because of like how automated everything was going to be, how like fast technology was increasing and improving. And it, the, the argument in the book, which makes sense to me, is that like we're there. It's just that we didn't get rid of the work week because we're like addicted to the idea that work is the thing that makes you like gives you work or gives you value as a human being right right which which i don't even i don't even think is like inherent to (laughs) that it's just like there's never been a a huge movement to discourage you from thinking that way where it's like i just i don't know i don't know if any of us could remember a time where that wasn't sort of how you were conditioned to like shape the image of yourself in relation to what you do and who you are and how hard you work and and yeah Ugh, if you're grinding yeah, all no... day, if that's your life, hustle you know, you, culture, team, team, no sleep. But yeah, like, <laughs> that whole point of like, you know, you keep people toiling, they can't get to get, they can't organize to, yeah, and to actually bring about change because the toil and the the grind of working constantly keeps people in place, and then uh, you know the the way things are set up, you just are labor to exploit for other people. And I'm sure that's a see, coincidence. Right. Because you saw like the light version that occurred with the lockdown and look what yeah. fucking happened. They're yeah. like, get mm-hmm. these people back to work. I don't give a fuck if kids are dying in schools like these people are fucking not working. They're like starting to figure shit out like that. This is bullshit that they're being exploited, that they don't need to live like this. No, like yeah. they've this is too much. This has been too much of a pause, especially at least in this country where you can see that like that that version of a world where people have more free time is like no 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 or even the time to actually think about their own like life outcomes that they want yeah can yeah it, it threatens that system of toiling and like so many people are like my job is meaningless or my job sucks like they don't like their job they feel like if they disappeared tomorrow like it wouldn't really matter in the grand scheme of things and like we've just so many of the story, like this resonated with so many of this with me based on so many of the stories we've covered, like militarized police patrolling and functionally making problems in communities where they treat people like enemy combatants showing up in a situation that could be solved by bringing someone to a hospital and turning it into a shooting that requires millions of dollars in investigations and justifications and the FBI's investigation following 9-11, which, as we talked about last week, were like fully focused on fabricating reasons to continue an investigation. I've like in the tech industry, I've worked at companies that were, you know, primarily designed to make people who were using a different service, like have a worse experience, basically, like make the Internet less efficient. Like that wasn't what my job was, but that was the kind of mission that got the most funding and like right. basically while people while they were like having a worse experience they were taking a box that made the tech company money and that was the part of the business that re- received the vast majority of the funding because you could create like a big work infrastructure around that and you could like give these managers lots of people to manage and yeah it's just yeah. well because problems mean more dollars you know right because if you solve shit then it's less money like, you know, there's still money that can be made. But if you really had a, a philosoph- like a philosophy as a company to be like, yeah, if you buy our stuff, like you can fix it and right. it's like really good and you <laughs> right. can, it'll be working again. And like, great, cool, cool. Glad you're able to fix. Yeah, we'll send you a replacement part. It's really easy to do. Go on with your life. It's it's great. Or even, the you know, with healthcare, like we can't actually like we have to have these systems that are like in such chaos because then it just it creates more of a mess things to address more money being spent when really everyone just wants like like the outcome and then people just say that's a utopia that's impossible right well that's just it's just antithetical to how the money is there it's not like the money isn't there and couldn't be rerouted if there was yeah because again every argument is well, so what? I'm going to make less money. That's what every fucking thing boils down to. When you look at Democrats who are saying we're not going to vote for lower prescription drugs, they say it'll they they have no fucking real like 
articulated reason for why they would vote against renegotiating prescription drug mm-hmm. prices, aside from some industry created phrase. It's like it'll stymie private sector innovation, uh, innovation. Yeah. So which means uh, less money. Yeah, he gives. Yeah. So he gives yeah. this example of a friend of his who was like a poet and like fronted an indie rock band and like he hadn't he'd fallen out of touch with him and he got back in touch and like he had a pretty successful career but eventually like he was like but i had to grow up and go to law school and now he's a corporate lawyer working in a prominent new york firm he was like the first to admit that his job was utterly meaningless contributed nothing to the world and in his own estimation, should not really exist, which talked to literally any corporate lawyer, almost any. Like, I've rarely talked to a corporate lawyer who's not like, yeah, this sucks and I hate what I do. But he points out that, like, the reason, like, you you have to ask the question, what does it say about our society that it generates an extremely limited demand for talented poet musicians, but an apparently infinite demand for specialists in corporate law? And his answer is that if 1% of the population controls most of the disposable wealth, which is what we call the market, you know, that is going to reflect what they think is useful or important and not what anybody else does. Right. And right. so, like, we, we've been in this system where what is valuable, what is practical has been dictated by the top 1%. And that that is above all needs to change as as things just get more and more like we we are not living in a normal society anymore and it's going to get more and more volatile like as we go forward so yeah uh all right let's uh let's, be sick dude ooh, all right jack you <laughs> just went anti-joker you're like we don't live in a society <laughs> anymore (laughs) exactly this ain't no society (laughs) all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back and we're back and let's talk briefly so fox doesn't really know what to do with itself these days. And so... Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. They had kind of a slow day a couple of days ago. We're just going to play you some some clips from what They're was just, going on. Okay. Yeah, they just think, oh, my God. This all was a story because Joe Biden is taking a long weekend in, like, Delaware with, like, his wife. And he was riding a bicycle. So this is what Fox News' uh, interpretation of that is. Being the leader of the free world has to be the most demanding job in the whole world. And he simply does not have the mental or physical stamina to do this job. And that is why his handlers and his wife, who, by the way, increasingly look more like visiting angels, um, have to schedule in these senior breaks for him so he can take naps and go for bike rides because he can't concentrate on the job um, the way he should. I mean, just compare it to President Donald Trump, who worked... (laughs) These long, long <laughs> hours sure? um, and, you know, had impromptu hour long, uh, you know, pressers with the, w- you know, with with the media. Um, the <laughs> President uh, Biden, even in Bob Woodward. Woodward. OK, enough of that. So I mean, impromptu press conferences, you mean when he would just hijack the mic and sundown on air? Really? And also, like, describing all of that as if it was, like, necessary and productive is just so silly. It's like, I don't know. Like, no, like, look, I, I'm I, not a big fan of Joe Biden, but no. that was an MP4 of him on a bike. Like, that was it. Right. Exactly. I'm not uh, here to say, you know, like, I, I don't I'm definitely in he is too old camp. I, oh, I yeah. 100 percent agree with mm-hmm. that. He in more in the sense that he has passed his prime. Given the elasticity of thought uh, required in this moment we are facing as a society or lack of society, as Jack was saying, like (laughs) Joe Biden is not he's too rigid. Yeah, he's too rigid (laughs) to be to arise to this occasion. And it's and and I think that much is, is becoming more and more clear. But, you know, do with that what you want. But this just sort of idea of him saying, like, it's too 
that's why he's got to take breaks and blah, blah, blah. It's just the same. They, they used to have like there were other things, but now it's just like they're just describing what Trump would do and be like, they're right. I guess that's <laughs> just sort of the football that people pass back and forth in partisan news. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's it that that was a treat. That was a treat because it's like of all of the like valid points that you just made, Miles, it's like the only thing you could do to truly profoundly undercut it is to compare him with the previous president. Like, <laughs> right, right. That is like the worst thing you could do. Yeah, the guy who golf like had a fucking golf club like surgically attached to his fucking hand and only <laughs> Spent, watched like, 14 TV hours in, in the White bedroom. House. Right. That, oh yeah, yeah. And again, yeah. you'll have like I'm sure on the other side you'll have like liberal news being like, look how active Joe Biden is. I right. mean, like with his schedule, blah, blah blah. It's like Jesus, both of you. We just stand. Yeah, down. this is my. That's my impression of MSNBC. They're like, we stand. Uh, we Mr. stand. Uh, he active waved. president. Who I don't know if you saw that. He like... had one hand. He only had one hand on the handlebars. He's the other hand to wave at the camera. That's really hard. We here at MSNBC have made a gif of it. If you want <laughs> an NFT <laughs> of it, you can buy right friend. now. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, to help move on dot org. It's also annoying. But yeah, it's like the, <laughs> the compare. It's like the one. The one person you don't yeah, want to put that right. next to. If they were smart, don't bring up President Trump. Don't bring him up. Yeah, but I he guess, doesn't I guess, even you like know. you guys anymore. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Did that not make the? Did not make it over to the Fox News viewer that he was like the, like just based on his schedule was the laziest president like of all time was that just not a thing probably not right they probably well just... the, i'm sure that they're they're like well uh donald trump was the first president to ever practice hashtag self-care <laughs> uh, <but laughs> so he's actually uh Personal he's an time. icon of self-care has joe biden met with gwyneth paltrow yet i don't think <laughs> so so how could he know what's best for us get me pictures of that meeting just kidding <laughs> I wouldn't be so I'm like, whatever. Jeffrey Katzenberg is going to LA City Council. I'm like, fucking right. of course. Secretly though. Secretly, secretly. She's like, I have so much free time since my billion dollar loser project failed. So let me just right. tamper with things I don't know shit about. Hey, awesome. I wanna I wanna build a behemoth thing and move a bunch of displace a bunch of poor people. Can you help me with that? Also, this is not an official. About yeah, talk about someone trying to justify their their continued existence. Right. Anyway, I mean, Quibi is a fucking great example of that. You know, not that there was a, there was a lot of talent, but it was poured into some managerial class assholes terrible idea. Right, and also like you're saying, the one percent's version of what they think the market is, which is right. Jeffrey Katzenberg thinking, you know what I'd watch, and you're like, I don't give a fuck. What if YouTube videos cost money? You're like, uh, what? There, right, right, I'm right. just, I'm just salty because I worked on a Quibi show. I made like twelve dollars, and then it never came out. So, oh wow, you know, not even did it complete, or is it part of the Roku resurrection? It, I, I don't. It definitely, I don't even know if it completed. It was animated, so I'm assuming no. Oh, wow. Because, oh, you know, Roku gave Quibi a second home. So. I loved turning on my little Roku and being like, oh, that's where it all went. Wow. <laughs> truly out with a whimper. Roku TV. Ugh. But the numbers on Roku are incredible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk about. So we've joked before about, you know, the idea of just putting a little vaccine in someone's morning oatmeal, you know, tr tricking mm -hmm. some of the uh, the people who get all their news, uh, do their own research on Facebook friend groups. Like maybe we put the vaccine in their food and they don't yeah. notice and then we're good. They get or to still think they're sticking it to us. Or, or people who are like, oh, I, I hate needles. That's why I'm going to put myself at risk because I just don't like needles and I don't like needles more than I don't like death. So. Right. What are you going to do? Apparently, scientists are already thinking like this because there are researchers at UC Riverside uh, working with a few different universities. They've been tinkering with a way to get vaccines into edible plants like spinach mm. and lettuce. So you could get a vac salad. OK, um, <laughs> because one of the things they're saying is like 
the vaccine as it is now, it's really hard to, hard to store. Like it has to be at a very cold temperature and things like that. They're mm-hmm. looking at, they're like, they're just like, okay, we have a three-step approach to figuring out what we're going to do. First, try and deliver DNA containing the mRNA vaccines into plant cells where they can replicate. Next, they say they want to show that plants can actually produce enough of this mRNA to replace a traditional injection. And then they'll then they'll begin tinkering with like what the dosage is essentially from there. But um, one of the people who's like leading this research is saying that it's like, you know, there is there is a way to make this work. And they say the key to making these vaccines are the chloroplasts. Uh, If you remember uh, from uh, class, I went uh, I went to seventh grade. Yeah, so remind me. I forget. This is where the chloroplasts are where the sun, uh, the sunlight is converted into energy. Yes. And so they say they're the, like, as he explains, they're tiny solar powered factories that produce sugar and other molecules which allow the plant to grow. They're also an untapped source for making desirable molecules. And quote, previous studies have shown that it's possible for chloroplasts to express genes that are not a natural part of the plant. And so his, this this team is trying to do that by like uh, sending this genetic material into the like protective casing of the plant cells. Mm-hmm. And they're like, boom, boom, boom. They've seen it like with other certain things. So that's why they're optimistic about how this could work. They're like fun. Like you could have fields of this shit growing potentially or grow it at your own house. I don't, that's I mean, so it's still wild. very early, but when I look at it, I'm like, damn. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's, I get, but I also am curious, like someone that's who's big like, lettuce at work. Yeah. Right. Big lettuce. Mm-hmm. They're, mm. they're coming for big Why pharma. Why can't we put now. it in a hot like, dog? No, what about there's chloroplast big in pharma? hot dogs. Meet big farm. Yeah. Uh, right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, but there's also part of me that's like, that's I wonder if a person who hates needles in their adult age is also like a fan of spinach. Right. And oh, like, mm, yeah. Mm, Let's get no. some charts going uh, for that. Uh, uh, I'm not eating. <laughs> but, You're like, but. fuck, what are you going to do then? Yeah, I feel like this, you know, the the wellness community that tends, like the portion of the wellness community that rejects vaccines, I think also probably rejects uh, genetically modified organisms. Yeah. Ge- so, not like this. GMO. Yeah. There, we got to get big, big hot dog on this. Yeah. yeah. I, I think. Put them in the hot dog chloroplasts. Yeah. <laughs> so they teach you at Hot Dog University, day one. Yeah, yeah. Here's the parts They're of the like... hot dog, the cytoplasm, the nucleus, the chloroplast, and the yum-yum zone. <laughs> if you plant, a, if you if you dig a hole, you put a hot dog in the hole. <laughs> you water it every single day. Right, you don't know what would happen. Yeah. Anything could happen. That's called magic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll look at this uh, closely, but I'm hope I'm wondering if that's sort of the future is, you know, because like the, really people cool. have made ice cream with like vegetables in it. You know, like there's all this sort of tinkering with technology to try and be like, here, we know you don't like eating healthy. So here's a version of eating like shit. That's actually good for you. Try that. The Flintstone gummies of vaccines. There you yeah. Go. Yeah. Ice cream Love vegetables, it. I feel like also are not going to appeal to a. Uh... Ice cream made of veg- veggies. veggies not, we're not going to get the red states. They probably. don't know. That's oh, you okay. Just, serve just it put it like, in briar. Shake, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Why don't yeah. you drink it up? <laughs> Why don't you drink it up? I will tell you. Just ate a bunch of kale, you lib. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's check in with Alberta. They had a... The province? The province. Yes, mm. indeed. Canadian was, province. That, like that's something we do all the time. Yeah. yeah. We Well, you know, at the beginning of the summer, Alberta boldly proclaimed that they were going to be at the forefront of, you know, fighting COVID with their uh, unprecedented pretend it doesn't exist policy. Um, Just back to normal. They printed a bunch of merch with the phrase best summer ever on it. And that's no summer of wieners. Yeah, Yeah, no, it does sound similar to summer of wieners, like something that a horny high school grad in a teen summer, sex comedy would say that they were going to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it became the official slogan for Alberta's plan. They actually sold merch with it. One of the premier's aides tweeted, the pandemic is ending. Accept it. Oh, no. And when they announced their plans to roll back most public health measures, it was accompanied by a banner reading open for summer, uh, just like fucking Jaws. Like with the, with the billboard of like, yeah, come on in, <laughs> right, swim. Yeah, it's everything's great. good. So that they did this starting on July first. 
uh, with just over 70% of the eligible population vaccinated, which is a lot like for, I I think America would love to have 70% of the eligible, yeah, that's, eligible population to hear vaccinated. Like <laughs> but it's still like not quite at the level that people say gets you herd immunity. Right. And which is unfortunate because Alberta decided to abandon contact tracing and asymptomatic testing of people who came into close contact with COVID cases. And in August, they announced people who actually tested positive for COVID uh, did not need to quarantine. So they were just like, it's a multi-pronged, it's a multi-tiered rollout. And basically, the idea was to make COVID-19 protocols similar to those of the flu and other communicable diseases. Oh, that old that old chestnut that, that old, we yeah, that old heard gem. so much at the beginning of the pandemic. And then in Alberta, uh, we heard it like very recently. <laughs> and uh, Alberta's health minister admitted no other jurisdiction in Canada or elsewhere in the Western world has similarly discarded isolation or testing measures, but claimed that Alberta was leading the way. And mm. yeah, so unpredictably, it's such a, like I, such a long way of saying you just like don't give a shit and don't want to deal with it. It's like we're leading the way and not doing anything. You're like, well, right, right. Uh, In well, they did print those hats up that said best summer ever. So, so yeah, it, this is under conservative leadership, I'm assuming. Yes, uh, conservative yeah. leadership. They love. They love that one, that whole Sweden example that they don't check up on. They're like, (laughs) and you're like, it was bad. It was very bad for them. So, yeah, uh, you're you're never going to guess what happened next. Uh, With a huge chunk of the population still unvaccinated, cases and hospitalizations went up. Down. Oh. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I was really thrown for a loop. Wow. I said I don't like jump scares, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) As hospitalizations and deaths were spiking, uh, the Alberta United Conservative Party was still selling best summer ever baseball caps on their website. And so the (laughs) premier, the conservative premier, decided to jump into action and go on vacation, what he described as a well-deserved vacation. (laughs) Uh, He just disappeared. Oh, my God. Disappeared, didn't tell anyone where he was going, and... People still don't know where he went to this day. Well, like where the trip was to? Yeah. Oh. He just went away and was oh. like, I'm on vacation. It's well-deserved because I was leading uh, the Western world in not doing anything on COVID. While he was on vacation, the surge in cases pushed the healthcare system to the verge of collapse. Children's hospitals had to delay the vast majority of their surgeries. As a result, healthcare workers are calling on him to help get help from the military and the Red Cross. And just last week, he apologized for the fact that this was not the best summer ever. He said, I know that we all hoped this summer that we could put COVID behind us once and for all. That was certainly my hope. And I said that very clearly. It is now clear that we were wrong. And for that, I apologize. Well, that's something you don't see in this country. Yeah. Conservative apologizing for being wrong. Conservative people apologizing for their horrible policies and shitty merch. Like, wow. It truly. Yeah, this does. I feel like so so many things point to our like hell world style everywhere, you know, like that. You can be in the midst of a pandemic and you have these people who because so many people are experiencing different realities because of their social status or social class that to them, they're like, this is great. We're going to we're going to make these hats, even though other people's lives could be an absolute hell. But if the messaging is strong enough around this, maybe we can will that into people's minds, even though all of the data in front of them suggests otherwise. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and like to to any of the listeners who live in Alberta, what a fucking nightmare. Like that's such a we're so sorry off like that's such an awful thing to have. Although it's kind of what we went through, too. Right. But it, it's I mean, I guess that there was an apology at the end, but like that but also <laughs> like what a fucking slap in the face to be like, oh, uh, I guess, you know, swing and a miss. And it's like, well, there's there's lives connected to the swing and the miss. Well, I mean, I think the biggest the biggest loser here was all these hats we didn't sell. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, 
Oh, I'm sorry. A I warehouse full of best summer ever hats. Yeah, I'm sorry. I need to be clear. I was saying that I was wrong about how these hats would just be flying off the shelves, and they didn't. And for that, I apologize. The, yeah, think about the like huge think tank that came up with this strategy and like the thousands of jobs that were dedicated to coming up with this strategy, presumably. And Hope yeah. everyone's sleeping well. Yeah. Right. Pro- they're probably not. And like they that's yeah, we're in late right. capitalism. We need to figure out what's next because this is not working. No. You, know, you look at the UK. That's why most was like eight out of 10 younger people are like, yeah, it's socialism now. Yeah. Yeah. Like please. socialism yesterday. Quickly, 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 quickly. Because it's all everything. You look around and you're living in a world where it's like, here's the deal. Here are the rules of this earth. Can you afford to stay alive? Right. No? Then you die. And go fuck yourself. Is that a question you don't want to ever have to ask anybody? Okay, let's find a new way. Oh, wait, there already is a new way. We just have to implement it. Yeah, it's called less greed from these fucking people like who we've just had this financial system gain so much momentum. It's like, what? unless you're talking about massive upheaval, like what? Are these to the do the one percent of earners go? Yeah, you know what, man. Here's here's sixty percent of what I uh, what I have back to y'all. Yeah, fifty percent, ten percent, rather than being like, hey, man, a million bucks sounds like a lot to you, right? It's like fucking a fraction of like a fraction of my wealth, you idiots. Mm-hmm. Uh. They did call a state of emergency and introduced a vaccine passport, which was just a downloadable PDF that is mind-bogglingly easy to edit like in your phone so uh in your phone (laughs) so all right um yeah sick but that's that's kind of the story with alberta yeah jamie as always such a pleasure having you yeah where can people find you and follow you you can uh, find me on Instagram and Twitter for now. Uh, Twitter, Jamie Loftus Help. Instagram, Jamie Christ Superstar. You at uh, Maggie May Fish and I are doing a five-hour five stream this Saturday to benefit Knock LA. Uh, and we'll be talking to a bunch of journalists and comedians about the why the Olympics should not exist. We're doing we're like co-hosting it with No Olympics LA. And I am writing on a new show called Teenage Euthanasia on Adult Swim. And a few of my episodes are airing this Sunday. So you can watch that. Nice. Is there a tweet or some work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, uh, Brody Gupta released a a banger of a bit this morning. I (laughs) think Brody is so funny. Um, So she... (laughs) She's been, she tweeted, quote, what is grief but love persevering? Just a sneak peek of a line I am writing in my script just to see if she could trigger fans of WandaVision because that is a line from like the last episode of WandaVision. And there's people being like, so is no one going to point out that this exact line was already on WandaVision? And she, she just keeps quote tweeting people and saying, no, this no. is a line from my film. And... Then she says, let's just say dot, 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 my vision never wanders. I can't stop laughing at it. <laughs> she's the funniest person in the world. She's, I think she's writing at The Simpsons right now. Oh, man. But that's at Broti Gupta, B-R-O-T-I-G-U-P-T-A. So, full account. Did, uh, it reminds me of who is the the journalist in Boston who is just triggering gun owners by like by saying all those wrong gun facts on Twitter and being like, you, in fact, do not know, know what an AR-15 is because it's 15 <laughs> guns. He's, I think you it's said you had worked or crime. knew of this person. But anyway, I love that form of it like might have been Chris. Yeah. Aggressively just being like, no, you're wrong. And just like, <laughs> ramping that volume up on him. I. Yeah, it's I, I feel like there, you know, it's not a perfect circle, obviously, but it mm-hmm. is, um, you know, they're fans of Marvel properties and fans of guns are both very sensitive towards certain things. Mm-hmm. It was like a heavily yeah. memed line from that show, too. Like, that's it's, funny. That <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure that that's a line from Brody's, from Brody's, uh, script, Brody's yeah. new crib. Yeah. Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray, and also the other show, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra, just talking about 90 Day Fiance. Um, a couple of tweets that I am liking. First one is from at Jay Jordan tweeting, Tony Braxton really had me ready to leave my husband in elementary school. <laughs> because, yeah, those lyrics were very powerful. The other one is from uh, at Bray underscore Uri Day. It's a screenshot of a tweet with our conversation with someone called Mom, and they're asking, what does the IA mean? LGBTQIA, including animals? Oh, and there was a person just put ellipsis, mother. Um, mm-hmm. And another one from at Vanessa Fudges, tweeting, the purpose of Twitter is to gain enough followers that you can post something like eating a burger and have 40 people reply <laughs> saying, hell yeah. Hell yeah, dog. <laughs> that's actually what i do all day on twitter just <laughs> hell yeah, famous, hell yeah. famous people and just agree with them on what they're doing having a soda oh hell yeah dude oh just a little sody ellie kremendahl uh i'm sure i'm mispronouncing that but she tweeted can't stop thinking of that icebreaker where i had to ask this girl what she loved about her boyfriend and she said we both love buffalo wings <laughs> and that just reminded me of this like a uh, marriage wedding like pre-training thing that my wife and I did in the like middle of nowhere in Missouri where like they asked you like to tell the story of how you met and like what you like about each other and we like had to go first there were like 40 couples and we like talked about how like we met in college and like we stayed up all night talking about like you know some book we were both reading and like and then everybody after us was like we uh yeah a lot of crying for me and she was embarrassed but then like every couple after us their like story involved like going hunting together (laughs) no how like the fact that they both hunted was like the thing that really something about taking a life with your uh with your loved (laughs) one really brings you together really love that she could shoot a shoot a buck you know uh, <laughs> I, know, I felt really shitty. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. <laughs> we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as a song that we think you might enjoy miles what song do we think people might enjoy today this is a track from an artist called throwing snow and they're uh, like a electronic producer kind of came out of the dubstep era but kind of doing all kinds of interesting stuff now this track is called halos and i just really liked it because it reminded me of like a very modern well-produced version of the Techno Viking song. Uh, I don't know if you remember Techno Viking from the early days of internet video where that guy like shoves a dude bullying someone at an outdoor rave and he looks like a straight up Viking and then like takes his water and drinks it and then just like starts like raving so hard walking down the street. If you don't know Techno Viking, please look up Techno Viking. One of the great. Um, But this, for the Techno Viking fans, this had a very similar beat and it evoked Techno Viking for me. So I hope it does the same for you. It's Halos by Throwing Snow. Hell yeah. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. Uh, So we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.